We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and we are entering trade season. There's been a bunch of rumors today about Kyle Kuzma. We're going to get into the specifics of that in a little bit, but the Lakers are 26 and 7 or 29 and 7 right now, right? Yes, 29 and 7. That's right. Hell yeah, man. We're 29 and 7, which is which is funny. I was talking to somebody about this before we get started, Darius. I was talking to somebody like, why am I so angsty for a 29 and 7 team? No, and I sure. think it's because there are some like very glaring, like they're close, man. They're really, if, if they aren't already, they're very close. And so every little move matters. Every little decision matters. And that really plays into the trade deadline, right? Yeah. And how they're entering uh, the trade season. And so this is kind of the the intro to that. I'm sure we'll do another trade deadline pod as things get closer. And if they make a move, obviously we'll do a podcast on that. But kind of want to start with giving the lay of the land and what are the factors to consider as the Lakers as we sit at 29 and 7 entering this part of the season where there's only about a month left to figure out what the rest of your team's going to look like for you know through the playoffs you've got the buyout market we're hoping for Darren Collison but this is really one of the last major parts of what this team is going to be when they go into the playoffs this year with all of that said, Darius, what are some of the factors that you think should be on the forefront of what they should be considering as they go into this part of the season? Are you talking more um, position-wise or are you talking more like logistics or like 
mechanisms. That- Let's start with the needs of the team on the court. Okay. And then I think that we can you get into the, you know, the chemistry, the different dynamics of that. Sure. But in terms of the needs of the team, like how what I'm asking is what should they be looking for and how aggressive should they be in looking for it? Yeah, so I think the things that they're looking for are they definitely need another sort of playmaker, offensive leader type of guy for the second unit. I think they need another wing defender. I don't necessarily think the wing defender needs to be a primary rotation guy, but I definitely think they need to have that guy in their bag, someone who they're very comfortable turning to in a series where this guy may not be a part of your eight or nine man rotation in one series, but in the next series, he may end up needing to play a more prominent role. To me, those are the two key things. Mm -hmm. I think if one of those players can be a viable spot-up shooter, then to me, that's like the third piece, really. I wouldn't prioritize shooting over those other two sort of primary skill sets, though. That's interesting. I, and I'm surprised to be feeling this way nearly halfway through the season, considering how concerned I was about the wing defense earlier in the year. I actually think shooting is a bigger need for this team than a wing defender is. I think that I hadn't considered the possibility of AD being freed up to defend wings when, you know, with having other bigs on the team. Now, that's been potentially problematic with the Clippers, who are a team I think the Lakers should be a a five-out team against, right? Because they they pack the paint, right? But part of that's because we can't shoot, right? And like there's – they've been packing the paint and we're not burning them for that. The the Lakers – better shooters, whether it's Green, KCP, or Kuzma, are not that great at coming off of screens. I would love to get a shooter in here that is able to knock down some of those Kyle Korver, JJ Redick type of shots. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if that's really their main functionality, ideally, right, they're okay, at least on defense. It's really hard to get a high-end player that can, because if you can do both, you are, you know, a a very highly sought-after player. Yeah, you make 15 or $18 million a year, too, or maybe more. Right, and and that's tough to get to. You you probably have to add Danny Green into that just to get the numbers to work. But uh, where do you you think the Lakers' shooting is at? We've talked a lot about playmaking, and we're on the same page. That is far and away the biggest priority. I'm hoping Collison can help. Like, this is the type of thing that Polinka should know going into that final day of the trade deadline, if Collison's coming or not. And yes. if you don't know by then, you need to proceed as though he's not coming because that's such a massive need. They need to address it one way or another. I think they need to proceed like that now. Really? Well, I just think that you can't get into the last two or three days before the trade deadline. I understand Palinka's likely already working the phones, right? Mm-hmm. Like there have been reports out there, not necessarily from the big news breakers like Woj or Shams or Mm -hmm. any of those guys, but there have been reports out there that the Lakers have already been been making inquiries on Mm -hmm. sort of lower level backup point guard types like DJ Augustine. Um, The Collison stuff, it falls in line with that. He's not a trade target guy. It would not surprise me if with the news that came out earlier this week or last week, excuse me, um, from Pistons owner Tom Gores, where he had gone on record saying that it may be time for them to take um, a step back in order to take a step forward. I didn't know that, yeah. Those 
So those quotes directly preceded the rumor that Andre Drummond was mm -hmm. in trade discussions with, with the Hawks. So Gores went on record with that, which was sort of surprising because Gores has been someone whose ownership tenure has sort of been about playing up from the middle. Mm -hmm. Like that was sort of the impetus around the Blake Griffin trade, right? right. Like th this we're not idea gonna tank, that we're going to build a Yes, that we're going to build a team. We'd like to be in the playoffs, home game revenue, yada, 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 right? right. Like new arena there. He's Those a relative matter. new Those owner. things matter to teams like that. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. And when you're an Eastern Conference team, you can say, okay, maybe our threshold is in between 38 and 42 wins. And that's a playoff seed, right? right. And so if, if you're on the back end, even a team like the Pistons right now, I think they're so far out of it. And we just saw them and they competed hard against the Lakers, but they lost again. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, 10 or 11 games under 500. It is decision-making time for teams like that. And, and so it would not surprise me if the Lakers have put out feelers on like Derrick Rose or a player like sure. that too, right. right? I do think that the playmaking stuff matters the shooting stuff, to get back to your question, it's so up and down. Their guys can be super hot one night, like Danny Green can make six threes, and then the next night he could go 0 for 7. That, that's true. If I can interject, though, that's different from what I'm saying, in that like Green doesn't come off of screens consistently yeah, oh yeah. and hit shots. Like, there's a certain functionality to a guy that can come off of a screen. Like, I wouldn't want to trade for another spot-up. I mean, look, it'd be great if we had more spot-up shooters. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. But the type of shooter that I'm talking about that I would prioritize uh, over a wing defender is a guy who can come off of a screen, like a Bogdanovich who came out. Yeah, Bogdanovich or like even a lower level guy like a Wayne Ellington or even mm -hmm. last year's experiment a little bit with Reggie Bullock, sure. right? Like, sure. I would like one of those guys too, right? Preferably, I'd like that guy to also be able to defend his position. I feel like the Lakers, one of the things that has been standing out to me lately, particularly with um, some of those blown fourth quarter leads, is that I actually think the Lakers can get away with one bad perimeter defender mm -hmm. on the floor at, at a time. I think it's hard for them to get away with two. So like Rondo Daniels lineups are death basically. Are bad, right? <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. the two fourth quarter leads that they gave up basically, um, the big ones at least, against the Suns and then who was the next team? Uh, we had, gosh, they all run together at this time of year. We had the Pistons, the Suns, and the Pelicans. The Pelicans, right? And so the both the Pelicans and, and the Suns made big fourth quarter comebacks. Caruso was very limited in the Suns game, didn't play at all in the second half, and then he was out for the Pelicans game. That mm -hmm. thrust Daniels in to the lineup, and that was problematic, right? Because mm -hmm. he was paired with Rondo, basically, back there. So I feel like with the point guard situation unclear at this point about what that's going to look like moving forward, I would prefer a shooter be able to defend their position because I mm -hmm. do not think you want to get locked into lineups where if Rondo still has to play and there's a possibility he may still have to play that even a shooter of the quality of JJ Redick and the Lakers aren't getting JJ Redick but let's just use him as an example if you have JJ Redick and Rondo in your backcourt mm, that, that's problematic that's a problem yeah yeah uh, so a couple of things first one 
how would you proceed if Collison is in the bag? Because I agree with you that if Collison is up in the air right now, I'm not talking like what we hear. I'm talking about what they hear, of course. Yeah. But if Collison is legitimately up in the air deciding between the Lakers and Clippers at this point, and you don't know that he's coming, I agree that you proceed as though you're pursuing Derrick Rose, DJ Augustine, other you know point guard types that can be an upgrade from Rondo, which – a lot of guys fit that description. They have to be better than an upgrade from Rondo. They have to be competent NBA point guards, right? That's the type of guy ideally to fill that spot. And you can get somebody like that, right? Nobody yeah. special, just competent. Um, if if Collison is is ready to go, I, I would argue that 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 right there, I think, makes the Lakers slight favorites. And this is how closely together I think the top three are that. Darren Collison is a solid player, but he addresses such a glaring need. Like the Lakers are eights across the board, except for this one area where they're like a two. And they've got a couple areas where they're like fours and fives as well. But this like level, this area where they're a two out of 10 is going to be really problematic at some point. That's why you said, you know, Rondo may have to play. Honestly, man, like if Rondo has to play in these play, we're not going to win a title this year. We're just not, man. Like maybe he finds magic for one game here or there, but getting through what's it four four game series? No, getting sixteen wins. Right, you got to get sixteen wins with him, man. And eventually, like, yeah, you can get hot one night. Maybe he's feeling it. Maybe it's a positive matchup. But like, this is a if they want to win the title this year, and they're not that far away from being able to do that, they have to address that. So if Collison is in pocket, do you just roll with what we have, or do you look start to explore those Kuzma rumors that we've started to hear? I don't know. That's very much like six of one, half a dozen of the other to me. It, it really would need to be an upgrade over Kuzma for me to buy in on that. Sorry, wh- why is Kuzma important to what we're doing? I think that's a good baseline to establish. Well, I just think that Kuzma unlocks the small ball lineups a bit better than I feel like maybe like a third guard would. So Mm -hmm. let's take the Bogdanovich rumor as like, okay, like that's going to happen. Okay. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but let's Mm -hmm. just talk about it that way. Essentially, the Lakers closing lineup becomes three guards, what, LeBron and AD against Mm -hmm. certain teams? Right. Like when- They're not big while going small. When you got Kuzma, you're big while you're going small. That combo forward position is like a super important position to me in terms of unlocking the best version of the Lakers Mm -hmm. because that allows LeBron to still be a playmaking forward and not necessarily and choose his defensive matchup. Right, right. While having AD be able to do whatever he needs to do defensively as well. LeBron is strong enough to guard certain defensive centers, Mm -hmm. right? And that allows you to put AD wherever you want, right? And having a combo forward who you can say, go chase a wing around and don't be terrible, Mm -hmm. or you got the power forward, Mm -hmm. right? Playing a guard basically a 66 or 67 seven guy who who is a pure perimeter player basically locks almost everyone into their quote unquote correct defensive assignments right. and what i and what i want for the lakers to to have in their bag at least is the ability to say oh no 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 we can dictate to you how we want to play based off of our defensive lineups 
Part of the reasons why that is important is that we're going to be asking so much out of LeBron on the offensive end that the more, and this is even true in the playoffs, right? The more that he doesn't have to defend that really good offensive player on the other end, or that really good offensive player is a spot up shooter. So he's not chasing a guy around a screen, but he's in a, you know, he's in a, a helping on the weak side and rotating, right? The, the little bits of energy that we can save because like one of my frustrations about this team's inability to maintain a big lead isn't just like, oh, it sucks watching them not blow out this team. It's there's an accumulation like LeBron and AD playing like 38 minutes against Phoenix when they were up by 22, 23 points going into the fourth when that should have been 30 minutes, 29 minutes. Like LeBron is, I think, averaging the fewest minutes of his career, but it's by just a little bit. It's right around like he should be ideally a 32, 33 minute per game guy in the regular season. So he can be a 39, 40 minute per game guy in the playoffs. And maybe he'll be fine either way. I just think that we're really tempting fate considering how bad this team is when he's off of the court that just some degree of competence from that position would really just go a long way. No, I'm with you 100% there. And I had mentioned this on Twitter actually, but that's the concerning part about blowing these leads is Mm -hmm. that you then have to leverage LeBron and Anthony Davis in parts of the game where you shouldn't have to, right? My favorite parts of the seasons you shouldn't have to. This wasn't the case earlier during the year. Remember LeBron starting the like Taco Tuesday chant when Mm -hmm. the Lakers are basically getting fourth quarter blowouts? Like those have gone away and it's just a problem. And so let me put it back on you then. Let's say Collison is not in the bag. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, or let's just say trade deadline is February 6th. Right. It's February 4th. And you don't necessarily have strong indicators either way of what Darren Collison's decision is going to be. Now, Eric Pincus had thrown out this hypothetical date of February 10th. That was not him reporting. That was right. just, he used that date as like sort of this line of demarcation to make a salary point. Right. But let's mm-hmm. say that Darren Carlson is sort of targeting that week right before the All-Star game. Right. To choose a team, then to basically get a break, inundate himself within the organization, get the playbook, talk to the coaches, do all of that. If the Lakers don't have an indication by February 4th, what's the first move you're trying to make leading into the trade deadline. Is it point guard? Is it yeah. shooter? No, 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 no. It's it's point guard. For, I'm trying to get Derrick Rose. That That's okay. the guy that I'm tr- trying to go after. I think last night's game against the Pistons was a good indicator. Like this Lakers team has more of a distinct personality than any Lakers team that we've had in a while. Part of that's because they're veterans. Part of it's because it's a LeBron-led team. But I think this team is actually a little unique in this respect in that there are a lot of superheroes, right? I've talked about that throughout the season, these larger-than-life figures, LeBron, AD, even Dwight Howard, that are, are on this roster that they put, I'm like, bro, they blocked 20 shots last night. Yeah. And they put so much pressure on the rim on both ends of the court that I think that that strength kind of builds on itself because it's like, oh, we stopped this one guy who can, you know, just put all this pressure on the rim. But now they got two other guys who are able to do that. I think Derek Rose is kind of like the guard version of Dwight in a lot of respects. That Hey, man, he- same era. MVP, right. like back... Right? Like Dwight lost the his best chance at an MVP. He lost it to Derrick Rose. That's right. And 
those types of guys, and one of the reasons I think this Lakers team is built for the playoffs. Now, I have some concerns about how they've reacted to pressure against the Clippers in, in particular. But one of the things, reasons I think they're built for the playoffs is there are times where you just have to be a better athlete than the guy across mm-hmm. from you. The other team knows your playbook back and forth. More importantly, it knows the individual tendencies of the players back and forth. They are going to force you into the weakest thing that you do. Well, that's all fine and great, but if I am a better athlete than you are, you might not be able to do the thing that you want to do. I might be able to take away that – I might be able to break that contained to the right. Oh, well, guess what? I'm faster than you. I still beat you to the right. Now what? And Derek Rose is that type of guy. He he got a shot blocked, I think, two or three times. He also got to the rim against the best rim protection in the NBA. Yeah. Pretty consistently and got to the free throw line as a result of that against pretty good guard defenders too. So he's a guy where like like Collison is not the type of guard that Derrick Rose is. I just think that getting Collison for free and not having to trade something for him is better than getting Rose. But if I'm in a position where Collison has not made up, up his mind by then, by the way, I'm not waiting for him anymore if that's the case because if that's his mentality he's not in it to win it, so to speak, in that he knows that from my perspective of building the team, from the Lakers' perspective of building the team, that they got things to do and they've got this finite amount of time to do it to put together their final version of what it is going forward. So if he doesn't know by February 4th, then he's not like he's not committed to what we want to do. And there's no reason that he, unless there's some external factors in personal life and stuff like that, that I'm not aware of, but everything else, all things else being equal, like he's got to, he's got to be able yeah. to make a commitment before then. And I would say too, like there's no tampering with Darren Carlson. Like Rob mm-hmm. Palinka can pick up the phone right now. He could talk right. to his agent, Bill Duffy, if he's not already. It has to have happened. So I'm with you 100% on everything that, that you've said. Just as an aside, I saw Derek Rose the night before they played the Lakers. Um, I was in San Francisco. I caught the Pistons play the Warriors. One of the things that stood out to me watching from the stands the way that I did against the Warriors versus on TV watching against the Lakers is that Rose made a bunch of good decisions against the Warriors where I was just like, huh, that's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. The Warriors really pressured Rose at the point of attack in screen and rolls. And so they brought a second defender up high and Rose consistently made the pocket bounce pass to the short roll big. He threw a lot of nice like over the top sort of hook or over the head soccer style passes like Mm -hmm. jump passes to his other guard where the second defender was maybe sagging to, to guard against the short role. He was not forcing the action at all against a Warriors team where like they were not very talented. The Pistons are super banged up too, right? And and, and mm-hmm. so it could have easily been a situation where, oh, look, here's Kai Bowman in front of me. Here is Jordan Poole in front mm-hmm. of me. Like, oh, look, it's Alec Burks, right? Like, right. I'm just going to take it to these guys because I'm Derrick Rose. And instead, he was making the right play. Time after time after time. And I thought that is very interesting to me. And in a way, it sort of reminded me of Dwight, 
right? Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. it's this sort of former superstar, number one overall pick type of guy who is showing a certain amount of maturity within the context of his role and this stage of his career and where he's at physically. And there's a certain alignment where his physical skills are not eroded to to the point where he's no longer like capable of exerting force on the mm-hmm. game but mentally he was seeing the game in the way where I was just like oh sharp decision sharp decision sharp decision time after time after again and that's the type of player where like it would be nice to have a guy like that you and I were sort of talking offline earlier in the day of, about a bunch of trade stuff and well, and the pod. And one of the things that I had mentioned to you is sort of talking about the different types of point guards that exist, right? Yeah. Collison is your, and, and I don't mean this in, in a pejorative way. He is your bus driver point guard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like he, <laughs> right. right. And Derek Rose, while he is no longer the top of the top of this, he is your sort of like game breaker point mm-hmm. guard, right? Like, and you can win with both styles yes, depending on what type of roster construction you have. But one of the things that the Lakers have done is that they have had a nice little mix of of game breaker type talent, LeBron and AD, and to a certain extent like Dwight when he's on his game fully like defensively and then with what he's doing as a rim run runner with a bunch of sort of like caretaker role player types. When you talked earlier about sort of building strength on top of strength, Rose adds another dynamic offensive player that is hard to replicate when you have a third one of those guys that's in the mix, especially a guy who can do it with the ball in his hands. It's hard to stop too, right? That That's that whole idea of having like, you know, Rose alongside LeBron is going to be less of a spot up shooting threat. And he's, it's probably like, I don't know if I end games with that, but what it also means is that you can have two of those guys on the court at the same time, pretty yeah. much the whole game. So it's either Rose and LeBron, LeBron and AD or Rose and AD. And like that, that puts a ton of pressure, even in the playoffs. Yeah. I Like, Rose is not the same type of shooter that Kyrie Irving is, right? And and, and so I don't want to make that sort of one-to-one comp, but LeBron had plenty of success giving the ball to another guy sort of standing off to the side a little bit and saying, oh yeah, go ahead and go get yours a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Go run a, a pick and roll. I'm fine spacing in the corner a little bit. And, and he does that now some with AD even, right? Like post-entry, circle to, to the weak side, circle back to the top of the key if things start to break down. I think LeBron would be fine doing that with a second perimeter player, to tell you the yeah. truth. No, for sure. So, all right. So we've got Collison in the bag, ideally. What, sure. um, are, like, are you looking, what's the type of guy that you would be looking to kick the tires on with Kuz as the main asset? Like you taught, you said you prioritize wing defense at the beginning of this. Do you go after, you know, 30 games of Andre Iguodala because that gets no. you that wing defense? No, I agree. I trade Kuzma for a better version of Kuzma. And, <laughs> right. Right. And <laughs> right. so, totally so agree. if I were to reshuffle the decks, so if I were to reshuffle the decks, 
The type of player I'd be looking at for Kuzma is actually a player just like Bogdanovich, the name mm-hmm. that he was linked to, like yeah. like in the tra- yeah. trade rumors. And then with buyout money or smaller trade money, right? And so Collison is in the bag. You can trade Kuzma for Bogdanovich, right? And then you scour the buyout market for another sort of combo big bodied forward who can play a little bit of defense maybe that's jeff green right Mm -hmm. but that's how you reshuffle the decks with the lakers you use kuzma to get sort of a better version of what you hope to get from him in general right which is a better shooter someone who can handle the ball some secondary create make you sort of less reliant on that sort of bus driver type of point guard that you have with collison do do you consider a move i agree with you on that by the way do you consider like kuzma for robert covington type of move so a guy who's not a guy who's going to come off of screens really but really good wing defender who can spot up shoot, but is not the bucket getter that Kuz is. He might be like the lowest level of player that Mm. I I would probably consider for that. Like if it was straight up offered that way, I would think really hard about it and I would probably still say no, but Mm -hmm. that's like the, it's, it's that would be the lo- yeah that would be the lowest level of player that I would consider. Yeah, it would depend for me on who is in that point guard position. Now, if you've got Derrick Rose there, then you probably don't have Kuzma in the first place. I just think that if Rose is there, I can I can get by with another guy who gives me value elsewhere, but isn't a a bucket getter. Right, he's a guy who's just going to be three and yeah. D for me. And Covington's had some shooting issues in the playoffs that. Kind of make me wonder, but you know, some that's not I'd be always, concerned. Yeah. I would be concerned about his shooting in the playoffs. I right. just so would, you're not talking about like a knockdown guy, right? Just like a, a good yeah, 3 no. D guy in the regular season with some questions in, in the playoffs. So, so I, I think Robert Covington is a sorry, I think he's a he's a better player than Kuz by a decent degree. But I think if you got Darren Collison back there, you don't have enough offensive firepower off of the bench that's right. for the combination to work, even if I think that. Covington is a better player, if that makes sense. No, it's like saying that, like, would you include Kuzma in a trade for, like, Jay Crowder, right? right. It's yeah. like, like, I like Crowder. I that do. Com- like, that dude competes. He mm-hmm. is the type of guy that you could put on a Kawhi Leonard, right? Um, he's been in some big games in terms of playoffs. Um He's just an experienced vet that just knows what he's doing, right? I also saw Jay Crowder spot up on a LeBron team (laughs) when the lights are on you and those shots start to not fall. The defense Mm -hmm. starts to treat you differently. That can get in your head a little bit. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is a bad stretch at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. That's where I worry about a player like Covington, too, even though his defense is at a level where I'm just like, oh, that'd be nice nice. to have, right? Here's the thing, though, is like, what do we have to go off of on Kuzma to make him think that he would be reliable, right? It's not like a a reliable bucket getter versus a 3 and D guy with a iffy, questionable jump shot sometimes, right? Like, we we don't know if is Kuzma going to have these 
4.2 for eight nights where he's missing makeable shot. Like I think Kuzma suffers yeah. from playing alongside Rondo more than any other player. And I will excuse that to a degree, but there are a lot of plays, especially lately, where it's like, Kuz, that's your shot, man. Like, you got to yeah. make that shot. And he's not. And he has improved on the defensive end. He's better than he was his first two years. But he is not providing enough in the other aspects of the game to not be the consistent bucket getter. I mean, I mean, like three out of five, four out of five type of nights. Score. Just score at a at a you know yeah. at a high usage rate. Like be the guy that you are well for three or four out of five games and we're good. And Kuz isn't providing that. So I don't trust him to provide what he does just as I don't trust what a guy like Covington would provide as a shooter in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess to me this comes down to sort of like the devil you know. Mm-hmm. And Kuz is the devil I know. And mm-hmm. he also mm-hmm. makes $1.9 million this year and three point something million dollars next year. Like, I get that the Lakers, the Lakers may never have a better chance than this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is a real sort of urgency to that that I think um, is driving LeBron right now. I think mm-hmm. it's driving Anthony Davis right now. Um, I think it's probably driving a lot of the veterans that are on the roster right now. That said, throwing everything in one direction and basically saying, oh, well, this is the last trade asset they really have um, Mm -hmm. before going into next offseason where they'll have like the mid-level, they'll probably have their first round draft pick. There's this idea of, well, what do you do? And I don't know, like, I like Kyle Kuzma. I think Mm -hmm. that he's a fine NBA player. I think that he could really help this team. I think this recent stretch of sort of like, he played really well on Christmas. The next couple of games, he played really well too. And then his name came up as, hey, teams are starting to kick around the idea of is Kyle Kuzma available? And then the next, and then two days later, it's, hey, I hear the Lakers might be willing to listen on Kyle Kuzma. And then now his name is in rumors, right? And 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 Kuzma's being asked about it at practice. And he's like, oh, well, this doesn't bother me. I've been in trade rumors since the day I was a Laker, which right. A, isn't true. But B, he was in trade rumors last year. And guess what? His play suffered. The only right. player whose play didn't suffer when he was in trade rumors was Brandon Ingram. And guess mm-hmm. what? That dude looks like a damn superstar now, right? And yeah. I'm with- and look, I'm just saying he's scoring like one. So he's scoring like one. Well, yeah. he's 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 That's looking a like a superstar <laughs> meal for me, at least. Uh-huh. That's what that looks like. Anyways, Kuzma suffered last year under this idea of trade rumors are coming for him, right? Mm-hmm. And right. it would not surprise me if some of what we've seen from Rondo and sort of the lackluster effort and energy that Rondo is playing with. Kuzma's played with very similar energy the last couple of games too. And is it the result of that? Is it bigger problems? Like go back a week and a half or two weeks ago. We we don't have time, man. We don't have time. Like he's got a, look, if something like Bogdanovich is on the table, that's great. But to me, he's got a one month long audition. It's January 6th as we record this. The trade deadline's on February 6th. You got to yep. get it together 
in that amount of time, it's a play. Cause guess what? If you're getting knocked off your game by trade rumor and really it's not nothing hot and heavy at this point, it's just teams are listening, right? It's this very preliminary type of thing. If that's knocking you off your access, how am I going to trust you in game six of the Western Conference finals to, to get, to be a bucket getter, to be who you are? If this sure. makes you not be who you are, how do I trust you to do that? So he needs to persevere. He had the issue, the thing with his trainer as well, the drama with LeBron and all of that. I get that. It's that's part of what use Kuz's own words. Not everyone is is cut out to play in LA. He that's said right. that or something right along the lines of that. All right. Well, don't talk about it and be about it. Show no, us I'm that with you. you're you're not just putting up buckets on a bad team. That's why when you when you talk about BI like I mean, look, he's improved extraordinarily as a shooter. That's the big difference in his game, right? He's this high 80s free throw shooter now taking, yeah. you know, hitting 40% on five or six threes a game. I god, I would have loved to see that in in a Laker uniform, but he's also doing it on a bad team, on a legitimately sure. bad team. Kuz was doing that too. Show us that you are not the bucket getter on a bad team and you are the bucket getter on a team that's actually playing for something and on a team where the other team is taking you seriously in the biggest moments. You got a month to figure that out, man. I get all that you see in him. I get all of the like that we need to look beyond just this year, but this is a a precious opportunity for a championship. We need to prioritize that. I get all that, but he is not done well enough so far and after a certain point on february 6th our options to get better become real limited so he's got to figure it out and i'm not asking him to do anything other than what he is capable of and that is put the ball in the hoop making the type of shots that he can make yes rondo dribbles the ball for 22 seconds of possession then gives it to kuz and he has to throw up a grenade right yes there are they do not run enough plays for Kyle Kuzma. They have not made enough of an effort to get him involved. All that's true. All of that can be true. And Kuz is not making the buckets that he is capable of making. And he's only got a month to show that he's able to fill the role that he, that he is capable of or else guess what? They need to do exactly what you said and find the guy who the better version of him, who's ready to do it right now. So let me ask you this then after all that, how actively are you shopping him then? If I get Collison, uh, I want Bogdanovich or somebody on that level. If not, I roll with what we got. Uh, and uh, trust me, I, I know all of what I just said about Kuz. Sure. Um, I I don't know who's out there that can fill that last spot in a way like we're talking about a theoretical guy that, hey, let's just get a better version of Kyle Kuzma. Sounds great. Who? Who is that guy? Can you think of somebody like I agree with you on Bogdanovich that he's a guy that he and he can shoot off of screens, by the way. He's got some playmaking abilities. So he'd be yeah. a great addition yeah. to some of the things that we need, especially with Collison is like a Collison is a good playmaker, but he's not a shot creator like a Derrick Rose is, even though Rose is more of a scorer. Like Collison is not like a break you down guy the way that you were talking about Rose earlier. That's so right. having a little more playmaking out there is valuable if you get Collison and Bogdanovich. But aside from Bogdanovich, Donovich, like Davis Bertans, nah, I'm good on that, on trading Kuz for that. I, I don't know who the other guys, like I need that guy to be a bucket getter and your your Morrises and, you know, the different guys that are available just do not check that box off for me. Yeah, they don't move the needle for me. I don't want to sound like I'm pushing back too hard on what you were saying about Kuz because I think that all of that is is true. 
I think it just goes back to what I was saying earlier about like Kuz is a guy who I've believed in. He's mm-hmm. a guy who I continue to to believe in. You and I had talked last year about and we did this both on the pod and and offline about one of the great benefits that the Celtics had was that their young players got sort of thrown into the fire and and had the chance to sort of show what they were capable of in in big moments. Like mm-hmm. I want that for Kyle Kuzma, right? Mm-hmm. Like and, and I would love to be able to see him get that opportunity this season to see what the Lakers actually have with him and not just say, oh well, let's go for a theoretical upgrade. Or even uh, like, let's go sideways a little bit with like a neutral move with a player who we deem to be more reliable when in the end, the player, we've seen what Kuzma is capable of. I would, and while there's an open question mark about whether or not that will translate to more meaningful games. I'd like to give him that opportunity. That said, if there is a clear player like a Bogdanovich where I'm just like, okay, this guy, this guy can do it, I think, then yeah, I'd be willing to go that route. But but some some 30-year-old or 32-year-old player, like even for Rose, like would you trade Kuzma for Rose? If we don't get Collison, yes. I think that our need for a guy at that shot creator spot is that severe to where I would hmm. do that. And I realize how much that is for a guy, for a solid guy in Kuzma, right? And a guy who's got a got a good future for sure. But we've been looking toward the future for years as Laker fans, man. And the time is now. That's a thing. I yeah. would love that version of the story where in June – one of our homegrown guys, the kid we picked with the 27th pick, sure. is standing up on the podium alongside LeBron and AD as they're getting an NBA Finals trophy. That's my favorite version of the story for sure. But I want the result first. And Kuzma, we can't look toward the future anymore. This isn't yeah. you're still developing your game. you got to be able to do what you do right here, right now. There is no more future. The time is now to win a championship, and he's got a month to figure it out. So. Hopefully he does in that time. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know... Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot knocked down. Lakers by three. 
Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Beatrice jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, Bryant. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.